the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cashland, the show where we fall ass backwards into the money you get richer just by listening. This is a special midweek episode. I am your host, Ben, joined as always by my esteemed co-host, Aaron. We are going to be running over the NBA East for you uh, tonight. This is going up on Wednesday evening, so you'll probably be listening to it on Thursday or anytime later in the week. But uh, this is going to be the special midweek episode where we detail the NBA East. Uh, go over the over-unders. Uh, we did this last year to, you know, mix results, and we're going to go ahead and do it again. So with that, Aaron, how you doing? How, how are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. I was excited for this podcast. You know, you know these basketball over-under podcasts are some of my favorite shows that we do. I really enjoyed doing it last year, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. We got the Eastern Conference this week, and then we will be back at a similar time next week for another midweek pod where we will do the Western Conference, which – well, might be even more exciting than the East. Yeah, I mean, I think historically the West has always been a little more interesting to talk about. But um, as far as value goes, I think certain there certainly is some in the East, and we're gonna you know try and get try and get ourselves there, and then try to get you there if you're if you're looking for any sort of advice on on taking these over unders right now. Um, what are we looking at, Aaron? Are we looking at Bovada lines? Yeah, so these are all the Bovada totals right now. Um, they were all posted besides the Wizards updated one because of the big Wizards trades lately, but we'll get to that when we get to the Wizards. Just a couple things to note here at the top. This is a 72-game NBA season as opposed to the normal 82-game season. They will be playing in their home arenas. Um, I'm sure there will be very limited fans. A lot of teams won't even have fans at all. And then a little bit of a change for the playoff format to note this year. doesn't apply too much to the totals, but just in general. Now, 10 teams technically make the playoffs, and they're going to have a little play-in tournament between the 7 through the 10 seeds. So basically, the 7 and the 10 play each other, and the 8 and 9 play each other. And in order to move on, the 9 would have to beat the 8 twice, and the 10 would have to beat the 7 twice in a row to advance. So a little bit of a shake-up there. So technically, 10 teams making the playoffs in each conference. Yeah, so when we say, you know, this team is going to make the playoffs, just just be aware that we are talking about 10 teams now and not eight because uh there are going to be some some questionable teams making the playoffs now um especially in the east yeah especially in the east it's it it's it's better than it used to be i would say there i think there are six legit teams in the east this year yeah which is important because everyone's going to be fighting to be you know normally you're just fighting to be a top eight seed and then you want to be a top four seed to get the home court in the first round now it's really important to be a top six seed so you just avoid the play-in tournament. And you know you're, you know, in the legitimate playoffs, playing the best four out of seven series. Yeah, and speaking of a team who, uh, you know, we could reasonably expect to be in that seven to ten seed last year and the year before that, and seemingly every year since the beginning of time, uh, we're going <laughs> to jump into the Atlanta Hawks. Um, their total is posted at thirty-five and a half. So, Aaron, I'm going to let you go over the transactions and then, you know, say say what you think about that total. Yeah, so 35 and a half, so basically right on a 500 team this year. They added uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings, a nice little offensive scorer, slasher, shooter. Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, and Chris Dunn. And then they lost uh, Jeff Teague and Dwayne Dedman. So overall, I think it was a pretty good offseason. They definitely added some nice offensive pieces. We can both agree with uh, Bogdan and Gallo. Those are really good offensive players. We know Rondo has uh, pretty good games every now and then. Don't expect too much from Chris Dunn, but 
when we're looking at 35 and a half, I'm going to take the over. It's a really deep roster when you look at it at each position. They have nice players at each spot. The offense is going to be great. Uh, a common theme this year, if we're talking about DFS or just looking at totals every single night, the Hawks game is going to be one of the highest totals on the board consistently throughout the year. And that's because they've got the offensive lineup of, you know, Trey Young, Bodon, Gallo. Collins is really nice. They've got Capella. The bad thing is those guys are not great defenders. So I'm worried about defense. But I'm going to take the over 35 and a half. One other thing I really want to note is I think a big factor this year is the teams that didn't make the bubble have not played a game since March. And the teams that did play the bubble, you know, were playing kind of a grueling schedule there into October. So these teams that didn't make the bubble are going to have more rest. They're going to have more energy early in the year. I think the Hawks will probably be the number one team that benefits from this. They're really young. They'll have a lot of energy. So yeah, I'm going to take the over. And uh, what do you think about that? I, I totally agree with you on the over. Uh, I think I'm going to push back a little bit on the defense part. I totally agree. We we made a joke in one of the football podcasts about, you know, if how how many times are Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari going to be put in a pick and roll together? <laughs> because I mean, it's true that is going to be horrible, but they do have two young sort of fringe elite defenders in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish who are in line for more minutes as they, you know, get older and mature and understand the NBA a little bit more. Um, I think that's going to help the perimeter defense a lot. And I mean, Clint Capella is a good interior defender. Obviously you get him out on the perimeter. He's bad, but they do have good defense at certain positions. They're not as bad as say the Chicago bulls who we will also get to. Um, I, I mean, in the games where the Hawks and the bulls play each other, they might actually score 250 points, but um, that's, that's neither here nor there. It's just, I think it's weird for, this is such a deep team. Not only is the starting five impressive, but, even, you know, the second options at every position are like pretty good. Um, I'm also going to go over on the, on the 35. So I think this is an over 500 team pretty convincingly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I do like uh, Hunter as a defender reddish. He's got the tools to be a good defender. He hasn't really put it all there yet. One of them I think is going to need to take a big leap along with maybe Kevin Herter, who I'm not uh, giving up on. I do like Herter a little bit. I, yeah, I like I like Herter as well. I I thought Tyler Hero was going to be closer to Herter than Tyler Hero, but <laughs> I guess we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we will. So yeah, one of those young guys takes a big step forward. They've got the depth, and when you've got a really explosive offensive team like that, that will help you beat up on the bad teams in the league. You know, we're going to talk about the Knicks. We're going to talk about the Pistons, the Bulls. I think the Hawks are now a tier above those teams just because. They should be able to just go in and outscore them, you know, even if the defense isn't completely locked in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and you know, these two additions that they made sort of indicate that they they believe in this young core. I mean, Bogdan and, and Gallinari are, you know, additions that you make if you expect your team to make the playoffs for sure. Yeah, and then we didn't even really talk about Trey Young, but you know, obviously he made a big leap last year. He's already a great offensive player. You can expect him to take another leap, and you know, that's what they're looking for, you know, from a guy that they traded up for and drafted instead of Luka Doncic. So sorry, Hawks fans for bringing that up. I mean, it's hard to even Trey young was like, I mean, he wasn't as good. I I will never, I'll never say that, but it's, you know, they're not worlds apart. Yeah. I mean, they might be worlds apart, not in the fact that, you know, Luke is amazing and Trey young is bad, but like Trey young is good. And Luka might be like a multiple time MVP. So that is a big difference there. 
Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. But, I, you know, I mean, you can't be mad with the... It's not like you missed on Trey Young. Yeah, it wasn't like they drafted, you know, Lynn Byer. Kwame <laughs> <laughs> Brown. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, moving on. We're going to uh, go into the Boston Celtics, who their total is at 45 and a half wins, which seems... A little high to me. They added Jeff Teague, Tristan Thompson, and I'm sorry, what's the the rookie draft? Yeah, Aaron Aaron Neesmith. There you go. Uh, and then they lost Gordon Hayward, Enos Cantor, and Brad Wanamaker. Um, I it's really hard for me to pick against Brad Stevens because Brad Stevens is such a good coach, but I do trust him more in the playoffs and the regular season. I think this roster got thinner by getting rid of Gordon Hayward and their guard depth. Um. I know Jeff Teague, you know, obviously adds a, a little dimension in there, but Jeff Teague is not what he once was. Um, I'm going to take the under. I don't like doing it, but I am I am going to take it. They're one injury away from being actually a not very good team. Yeah, I'm pretty much exactly with you here. I'm taking the under. I'm not, you know, this isn't one of my more confident picks just because they're a solid team. They've been together for a while. And they do have Brad Stevens and two really good young players. But, you know, we talk about the depth, especially at the guard position. They've got Kimba, and then they've got uh, Marcus Smart, and then after that, it's pretty ugly. I mean, we saw nothing from Romeo Langford. A lot of people thought they reached for Neesmith in the draft. You know, he's just kind of a shooter. He might not be able to defend or move around too well. Basically, you're relying a bunch on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which I think, you know, that's fine because they're two great players. They're probably going to get even better this year. Tatum could even ascend to MVP level if everything works out perfectly. But I think they're a little bit too reliant on those two guys. The Hayward loss is important. It's a very quick turnaround for Kimball Walker and his old man knees. So if anything were to happen to Tatum and Brown, that would be a disaster for this team. I think there's just not enough depth for me to confidently say they're going to be over 45 and a half wins in a season with only 72 games. I still like them when it comes to the playoffs just because of, you know, Stevens and they're going to be good on defense and you can have a tighter rotation. But yeah, when it comes to the regular season, I could see a couple of things going wrong here. So I'm going to agree with you on the under 45 and a half. Yeah, man. You, honestly, even if like, I mean, let's say like Marcus Smart goes down. I mean, they have one plus defender left on the floor. If Marcus Smart, it's Jalen Brown. Like they, I mean, it's just thin. Yeah, I just, they didn't, they don't have the guard depth. I mean, it's important to mention when they lost Hayward, they got a trade exception. So basically, you know how if you're playing like NBA 2K, you have to, when you trade people, the salaries have to match. Basically, the Celtics, they have a $28 million trade exception. So the salaries don't have to match up to $28 million. So they can take on way more than they're dishing out. They'll probably use that at some point during the year, but, you know, it might not be a perfect fit. But yeah, as of right now, the roster is thin. It's not as deep as the Celtics usually are. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I do want to be clear. I mean, I'm not. I don't think either of us are saying the Celtics will be bad. Absolutely not. But we are saying probably 45 wins or under. Um, that's that's certainly where I'd put my money. And then I would expect them to do to perform better in the playoffs than in the regular season. Yeah, I, I talked about the Celtics as you know one of my better values on the board as far as NBA title odds, and I stand by that. You know, NBA regular season predictions and playoff predictions can be very different things, and it's always important to remember that. But yeah, we're on the same page here with the regular season Celtics. Yeah, some we're not going to be as on the same page with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we're going to move on to the Brooklyn Nets here. They have the same total, 45 and a half. They added Jeff Green, Landry Shamet. Um, Kevin Durant is 
presumably <laughs> going to be healthy for this season. Kyrie Irving is presumably going to be healthy for the season and they lost absolutely nobody. So um, Aaron, I'll let you go ahead and take it and then I'll, I'll come in afterwards. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take the over here. Um, people might be scared to do it because I think it's a new team. Um, but look, it was a new team with the Clippers last year. They were well on their way to going over their win total before, you know, the whole COVID thing happened. And I think this is going to be a similar thing here. There's going to be high expectations for them, but I think they're kind of just going to meet the expectations because when you have a guy, especially like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to a lesser degree, they, they just win games. We've never seen Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference. That could just be, you know, he could just destroy some of these Eastern Conference teams. I'm a little worried, you know, he's Kevin Durant's making these classic Kevin Durant's comments about how all the recovery was so brutal. It's a grind every single day. I'm just trying to do my best. We'll see what happens. Not really the most positive comments that we could hear from KD about his, you know, Achilles right now, but you know, he's it's not going to affect the jump shot, I don't think. He might be a little less dynamic on defense, but overall, the roster is very very deep as currently constructed, which is one reason why I like the over. And I also think it's still in play that they trade for James Harden. And if they do that, the roster obviously won't be as deep. But if you can tell me I can get over 45 and a half on a team with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, I'm going to take that immediately. So this is actually one of my favorite overs on the board right now. I would go bet it right now at 45 and a half. Hope for a Harden trade. And if not, I still think Durant runs through this conference. Yeah, so full disclosure, initially I had the under here because um, I don't believe in uh, – Katie's comments definitely scared me. I don't believe in his health. I also don't believe that him and Kyrie are going to gel particularly well uh, on the court in the first year. I think it's different than the Clippers. Um, Kyrie is not the same as Kawhi or Paul George, who can both function off the ball very well. Um, however, I have changed my mind. I, I am going over as well. I, I think it's – I don't think Houston ships hard into them. I say this as a Rockets fan, so take it with a grain of salt. But a lot of these reports sound like they're sort of not going off a whole lot. I saw a report yesterday or two days ago that Harden said himself he approved of the 76ers as well. It's not Brooklyn or Bust. They can, they can send him other places. Um, and the Nets just don't have the trade chips to make it happen. The Rockets would 100% rather send him to the 76ers. Um. As it stands, I, I think the roster is, is definitely really fun. Uh, I don't trust the health of KD. I don't trust him to gel with Kyrie. I do think they'll make the playoffs, and I do think they'll go over 45, but I don't expect them to dominate by any stretch. It's not my favorite bet on the board. But all that being said, the Nets probably would have won 41 games last year, and that was with Kyrie Hurt and Karis LeVert Hurt for large portions of the year. So you add KD, Landry Shamet, you basically add back in Kyrie and Levert. I would probably say that gives you four wins. <laughs> so I, I agree. I like the over. I just don't like it as much as you do. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we can count on with Brooklyn is there's going to be drama. There's going to be a lot of mocking them on Twitter. There's going to be memes. And I am definitely excited. I mean, we saw when they asked Kyrie about how Steve Nash is doing as the head coach, Kyrie said, you know, we don't really see him as the head coach. You know, we basically say we have a bunch of coaches on the coaching staff and we learn from all of them. It's like, are you serious, Kyrie? Like first yeah. year head coach, you're not even going to say he's the head coach. Like that's just classic Kyrie. It's yeah. It's not a great look for Steve Nash. <laughs> no, he's going to have some work to do, man. Trying to get, I mean that it's going to be a mess, but I do think it will be a mess that results in a lot of wins just because they do have Kevin Durant and 
they're going to win a, you know, if they ever get in close games, they've got two of the best closers in the league. So I think that part will work out. Yeah, I mean, it really is such a deep roster. I mean, you, you can have one of Dinwiddie or Levert coming off the bench, and I think that both of those guys are like, you know, all-star ceiling type guy. I mean, it's just, that's that's kind of nuts. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if they do keep the team together. That might be the better move, just because the depth could really help this team in the long run. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's probably it for the Nets. I think we, I mean, the thing is, we disagree a lot, I think, about how the season's actually going to go for them, but I think we both also agree that they they win 46 or more so i guess it probably doesn't really matter as far as as far as totals yeah it doesn't matter how far over they go you know we're either gonna win or lose and yeah we both do like the over here one way or another yeah so we're gonna move on to the hornets now um team with very different standards their total (laughs) is set at uh 25 and a half so i i literally just looked this up um because I, I didn't look it up before. They won 23, 23 games in the COVID shortened season last last year. So uh, absolutely probably would have gotten their over, considering that their over total for last year was only 23 and a half. I mean, they, they basically hit it in the COVID's shortened season, and there's only two added wins here. So they basically expect a small step forward. They added LaMelo Ball in the draft, as we all know, and they added Gordon Hayward, and then they lost Nick Batum, which, I mean, is that really a loss? That's huge. I mean, how are they ever going to recover from losing Nick Batum and his eight, you know, $8,000 million trillion dollar contract? <laughs> Man, the, do you remember that meme of the, the Hornets payroll? And it was just like the top five guys. It was like Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. And it was was just bad. It it was back when Kemba was on the team. It was like, somebody please give Kemba Walker some help. It was, it was Nick Batum, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and like, like Dwayne Dedman or no, Bismack Biombo. Yeah. Bismack and MKG and yeah. And they were all making like 15 million or more dollars. (laughs) You remember that video we found of Cody Zeller getting the ball like the top of the (laughs) team? And he just stood there and did nothing for like eight seconds when he could have just driven to the hoop and dunked it. He was just like looking for someone to pass to the whole time. Literally the entire court had cleared out. There was nobody in the middle of the court from like the free throw line all the way into the hoop. Cody Zeller gets the ball top of the key back down. The play had broken down somehow. Somebody got screened off of the play. So Cody Zeller is just sitting there like rapidly dribbling back to the basket with a wide open lane. God, that was the funniest clip I've ever seen. If we ever find that clip somehow, we're posting it on our, on our Twitter page at cash landing. (laughs) Anyways, those are the Hornets of old. These are the Hornets of new. And I mean, I gotta say the roster is not nearly as bad as it used to be. The The team has some upside for sure. I really like P.J. Walker. The total's not bad. They would have hit this total last year. I, I think I'm going over on 25 and a half. P.J. Walker, you got football on the mind. Oh, did I say P.J. Walker? Yeah. P.J. Washington. <laughs> Panthers legend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, P.J. Washington from Kentucky. I also really like him. He is also one of the reasons that I'm agreeing with you on the over. He looked really good last year. Um, Bridges started to play a lot better last year. Devontae Graham was kind of the big breakout guy. I think he even might have won most improved player last year. He looked really good. Uh, They added LaMelo Ball. That might not be a big deal this year. I think Graham still deserves to be the main guy that's running the offense. However, Gordon Hayward will be a big deal. He now has kind of a team back to himself. He's got a lot to prove. You know, he's out of Boston where, you know, it just never really worked out. He had bad injury luck the whole time. Gordon Hayward of old might be back. Uh, he finally got the son he was looking for. I know that's probably big for him. And his, uh, 
positivity, but yeah, you mentioned it. They were on their way to overachieving big time last year. I really like this team. They played really hard for their coach last year. I'm going to go over. I think they're going to win, you know, around 28, 29 games, maybe push for like a 10 seed to get demolished in the playoffs. But yeah, I do like the over here at 25 and a half. I think it will be kind of a fun team to watch. Washington growing, you know, Graham growing. We never know about LaMelo. Hayward will be fun. So yeah, I'm going to go over here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think, and again, I mean, I think Brandon Clark is probably my favorite my favorite rookie from last year, but PJ Washington is a close second. I thought, I thought he was really good. He's going to get some more minutes, uh, which was the big thing. He, you know, he was playing 22 minutes a game last year, which just isn't really enough to make the impact on the court that, that, um, you know, a, a good two way guy like him can. And so I think that Gordon Hayward, I mean, he doesn't even have to be old Hayward for, for this over to hit like at all. I mean, he can be 70% of what he was in Utah and, I think this over is a lock if, if he is that. Yeah, no, we both really like this one. I think it's just a, it's not a bad roster. They played hard last year and I think they'll play hard again. You know, the young guys, they could presumably get even better. So I actually do kind of like this team. Uh, did you say bad roster? I heard you say bad roster, I think. Oh, I meant to say, you know, not a bad roster, a, a fun roster, you know, a young, exciting. No, no, no. You, you said you said not a bad roster, but but the the phrase "bad roster" had me thinking about the Chicago Bulls, who we are we're talking about, <laughs> who we're talking about next. I see where the, you're going with that. With the total of twenty nine and a half, um, neither one of us like this team very much. I'm higher on them than Aaron is. I'll let Aaron go first and see if I can maybe rebuttal my way into into Chicago Bulls love a little bit. Yeah, so basically their only addition was Patrick Williams during the draft out of Florida State. They lost Chris Dunn. Uh, the total here is 29.5. I'm, I'm strongly taking the under here. The roster, if you look at it, it is very bad. Um, Lori Markinen is the only player that I really like. They don't even use him enough because you know they're too busy using Zach Levine all the time. Uh, Kobe White, Zach Levine, it's just it's such a bad backcourt, and we know how important backcourts are in today's NBA, especially in close games. 30 wins, I just think that's way too high. I think this should be more around you know, 24, 25 and a half. I, I think it's a really bad team. I think it could you know end up being one of the worst teams in the league. I think they could have a really high draft pick in the lottery next year. I, I don't see a path for this team to be very good unless they finally free market in, which they never have in the past. And even then he, you know, he's, he's good, but he's not good enough to carry this team. Zach Levine. I don't trust him. So yeah, I, I really don't like this team at all. I'm going to go under 29 and a half pretty, pretty aggressively. Yeah. So they won 22 games last year in the COVID shortened season. That was with Wendell Carter jr. Injured for, you know, 55 of those games. I'm not quite as low on them as Aaron is. I think Wendell Carter is actually the best player on this team. I think he's legitimately good. And I, I, you know, hopefully he can be more healthy this year as a, as a third year pro, but, um, Otto Porter, Thomas Sadoransky, they're also fine, but that, yeah, that's about it. I I don't love the roster either. I'm going to, I'm going to take the under as well. I think, I think they win 26 games, 27 maybe, but, um, the defense is just atrocious. I mean, last year watching the bulls play defense, it was hilarious. It's like a 48 minute plane crash. It's, it was horrible. And I think it will continue to be horrible mostly because I mean, Chris Dunn was the only good defensive guard they had besides Sadoransky and, and they traded him away. So um, 
yeah, if I had to pick a number, I'd say probably 25, 26 wins for these Bulls. Yeah, I mean, we're in agreement here. And if we can confidently think it's, you know, three or four wins off, that's when you really got to attack and, you know, see that one as value right there. So this is definitely one of my favorite unders. Uh, I just don't like the Chicago roster. I would be very shocked if they're making any kind of noise in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I will say I, I, uh, I, I think they are above the tier with the worst teams. I think there are two teams in a tier of their own and it's not the Chicago Bulls. So like you think they might be the worst team in the league. I don't, I don't think they're really even going to be close. I think they're going to be closer to the Hornets than, than the bottom of the pile. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I think, you know, on paper, maybe they're not there yet. I, I just think the season could go so horribly wrong where at the end of the year, they are in that tier, but you know, there's also a path where they're not horrible, but I think they might be. <laughs> All right, well, we can move on to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have a total of 22 and a half. They actually made some moves this offseason. I'll let you go ahead and take it. Yeah, they added Thon Maker, JaVale McGee, Isaac Okoro, the rookie from Auburn, uh, Damian Dotson. So, you know, a lot of moves. You can't really say they're notable. They lost Jordan Bell and Tristan Thompson, probably the most important thing there, losing Tristan Thompson. So, yeah, after seeing all those very exciting and flashy transactions, Ben, where are you going with the 22 and a half? Yeah, I mean, you're going to make fun of me because I'm going over. Um, it's not because of the transactions. I can promise you that much. But okay, I, do think good. That I do think that this team can win 23 games regardless. Um, you don't like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I don't particularly either, but I will note that most of their problems are just like inexperience dependent. I mean, they don't really know how to run an NBA offense and that's something that they can learn as time goes by. And, you know, with young players, time is always going by. So uh, they have guard skills. They have actual ceilings if they learn how to operate an offense more efficiently, which I think that they, you know, are going to begin to do. I'm also a huge believer in Kevin Porter Jr. as a wing. I think he does everything that you need in, in the modern day NBA. And I like CD Osman as well. He's a solid NBA starter. Um, and the big man depth is just really, I mean, if they can just get average play from these guards and forwards, they're going to hit the over. Um, Damian Dotson is a sharpshooter. He can provide some much needed shooting to this team because at this point it's just Osman and Dotson. So, you know, Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., they just need to do what they've always been doing. And then I think all these other guys can take steps forward. I'll go over the 22 and a half. Yeah, so I'm on the opposite side of you here. This, this might even be the first time we're disagreeing. Um, I'm going to go under 22 and a half. I like, I mean, I just think it's funny. They're three best players that you talked about, you know, Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Larry Nance. They all play basically the same position, and I do like them all somewhat individually as players, but I don't think they're going to be able to be the, their best, you know, the best version of themselves all playing together. You know, we see NBA teams these days, they're trying to, you know, build around the three ball, make these, you know, wing-oriented teams, but, you know, the Cavs are going the other way. They're trying to build a bunch of elite centers. They're going to get all the rebounds. So, you know, they're either playing 40 chess or they're playing go fish. And I think it's more likely they're probably just playing go fish and everyone else is playing chess. I don't see it working out for them. They're, we know they're not good enough to blow teams out, which means in the games that they are competitive, it's going to be close games late. Close games late, I'm always looking at quality guard play and decision-making. They do not have quality guard play and good decision-making right now with Garland <laughs> and Sexton. So I could see them maybe being in some close games throughout the regular season, but I think they're going to be on the losing end just because guard play is more important when games are close. They're not going to be blowing people out. 
we saw Kevin Love was, you know, absolutely launching basketballs at people last year because he was so fed up with the team. Andre Drummond, I feel bad for him. They both could be injured at any point in time. They both could be traded at any point in time. So I'm going to go under. I'm not like crazy confident in it. I don't disagree with your, you know, I don't hate your takes, but I am going to go under just because I hate the guard play so much. And I think it's more of a guard league, you know. It, it is definitely a guard league. I just I just had a mental image of Andre Drummond and Kevin Love like going to bed dreaming about the Celtics trade exception. <laughs> just Just having it rent-free swimming in their minds. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Love, his contract is so ridiculous. He might even be above the trade kicker, but who knows? <laughs> uh, anyways, we're going to move on to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, their line is 23 and a half. It's only one game above the Cavaliers. Um, now, here's my pick for like worst team in the league. I think the Pistons are going to be in that in that tier with the Knicks. That's 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 how I see it. Yeah, okay. I mean, they definitely could be. There's always potential for that. They added Sadiq Bey and Killian Hayes in the draft. They added Jeremy Grant, who I like. They added, uh, you know, one of the many Plumleys, uh, Mason specifically. And they lost uh, They lost a couple of important guys to their team, at least Luke Kennard, um, Snell, and uh, Wood, who is now on Ben's Rockets. So, Ben, I'll let you go ahead and explain why you like the under so much here, and then I'll make a little bit of a counter. Yeah, so I just think that, I mean, for one, Derrick Rose and or Blake Griffin are going to break at some point in the season. Like, I I mean, I don't really think it's even debatable. And then once they do, once one of them does, this roster just has absolutely nothing besides, like, maybe Killian Hayes is going to be a decent rookie scorer. But, I mean, if your rookie is scoring, that usually doesn't translate to wins in the NBA. So, I, I, I don't know. I would just, honestly, like, this team, the line is similar to the Cavs. Actually, it's a game above the Cavs, but I would say that this team is worse than the Cavs at every single position, unless Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose play 72 games. I mean, where is this team better than Cleveland? Yeah, no, it's definitely a fair argument. If The thing is, the total is so low. If Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin are healthy for most of the year, I think it's too low of a total, and they will go over, just because you know the reports are saying Griffin looks really good. Rose has been productive when he's on the court. The thing with Griffin is, you know, can he stay healthy? He probably can't. You're probably right because he hasn't done it in a long time. But if he is out there on the court, he's still, you know, an all-star-ish level player. He's capable of, you know, big games. He can do it on both sides of the floor. He can grab a bunch of rebounds. So they have the experience to win close games that they're in late with Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. I, I think this is a good team to pass on just because it's so dependent on the health of Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. I think the rookies might be pretty good. I kind of like both of these guys, but I, I definitely actually, can't I, argue I with your with logic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think both the rookies might be pretty good. Yeah, and I really like Jeremy Grant, too. He was really good with the Nuggets at the end of last year. I liked him when he went to the Nuggets way back in last offseason. So I kind of like those three guys. You know, Plumlee always plays hard. I just think if Blake Griffin, even if you know you take Derrick Rose out, if Blake Griffin is healthy and Killian Hayes is pretty good, I think they can go over twenty three and a half because it's such a low number, and they can beat up on some of the bad teams in the East. You know, they easily could be you know the worst team, like you say, if Blake Griffin goes down right off the bat. But I would probably lean slightly to the over. I'll say over for the you know the point of us picking on the podcast. But this feels like a team I would just stay away from. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I also like Jeremy Grant. I think we were we were watching League Pass in your dorm room freshman year or whatever. We were watching Jeremy Grant on the Nuggets kind of going, man, I wish they freed this guy. And now, you know, he, he picked the Pistons over other teams because he expects a, an increased offensive role. But even with all that said, I'd rather have Christian Wood and Luke Kennard over, over Jeremy Grant and Killian Hayes. So I don't know. I mean, I don't expect them to be any better than they were last year for sure is, is what I'll leave it at. Yeah, that's definitely fair. All right, I'm ready to... All right, so we've now covered the Hornets, Bulls, Cavs, and Pistons, four teams in a row. If we wanted the status of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> These are four bad teams. Those are very bad teams. Let's go on to not so bad of a team. Yeah, uh, we're going to go to the Indiana Pacers. Their total is at 39.5, so that they got to win 40 games to hit the over. Uh, they did nothing in the offseason. Not not a damn thing, huh? No, I, I there was absolutely nothing of note that warranted me typing it down on this document. I nothing that I thought was important. <laughs> I mean, the old, the old depot thing is the big off season story. You know, he reportedly wants out there. He's demanding a trade. There's probably not much of a trade market for him because ever since he came back from his injury, he has been nowhere near Victor Oladipo that we became used to seeing. So the Oladipo thing is kind of the big off season thing. We'll see what happens. But as far as actual transactions that have happened on paper, it's pretty similar to last year's team. It would be really unfortunate if that Oladipo year was a like was a fluke because I mean, first of all, I had Oladipo on my fantasy team that year, so I, I grew pretty attached to him in the year where he just miraculously became like, you know, a top three shooting guard. Um but even besides that, I mean, he made the Pacers really fun to watch that year. And ever since then I've sort of like, you know, I tune into the Pacers whenever I see they're on. Um and you know, with that said it's not just Victor Oladipo. I think the rest of the roster is also fun and exciting and good, and they, they're a really balanced roster. So I'm going to go over on this as well. I think 40 wins is definitely doable for the Pacers with Victor Oladipo or without. Yeah, I'm with you on the with or without Oladipo thing. I don't really think it's too important because he's not one of their best players anymore. Um, you know, I don't really think it was a fluke season just as much as he just hasn't been the same guy after the injury. I think the injury took a toll on him. He was a freak athlete before. He hasn't been the same ever since. He doesn't seem to have his confidence back. So, yeah, I agree with you. He's probably never going to be that same guy. But I don't really care because I really like Brogdon. I really like Turner. And then Sabonis was just awesome last year. He's getting better and better every year. TJ Warren was one of the best players in the bubble. I'm not expecting that to carry over. But he did have a nice year along with um, the other wings they have. Uh, Lamb, he's also another good guy they have. So, it's just a pretty good roster. They have a good coach in Nate McMillan. They are definitely solid enough to beat up on the bad teams that we just spent, you know, 30 minutes talking about. So I am with Ben on this one. I also like the over 39 and a half. It's a good defensive team. They just, they know what they're doing. They're a solid team. They've got good decision-making from the guard standpoint. They've got talented players in the front court. Sabonis is an all-star. Warren and Lamb play really hard on the wings. So, I just think it's a really solid team all around. So I am pretty, pretty confident going over 39 and a half with this team that should be able to, you know, beat up on the bad teams in this conference. Yeah. I mean, really just the, the six man sort of rotation of Brogdon, Lamb, Oladipo, Sabonis, Warren Turner is, that is just a lot of people to guard at the same time on the court. Any one of them can do anything at any given time. And we do, we keep waiting for the miles Turner step forward. And I still think it's going to happen some year. Um, I don't think his development is is capped, you know, by by any by any means. So, yeah, we we agree there. Um, 
I don't think there's, you know, too much more to say about the Pacers. I think I expect them to be like a solid five, six seed and, and that's where they're going to be. Yeah. I just think it's kind of important to note, you know, we both like the over and we're kind of discounting Oladipo. There's always a chance, you know, if he's back to 80% of peak Oladipo, that's just another bonus for this team and another reason for them to go over. So if we like them, you know, the over without Oladipo, if somehow the Oladipo thing works out and they do want to bring him back, he decides to come back and he is better. That's just, you know, another bonus to your, to your bet right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, man, I don't want to talk about this team, but I guess we're going to, we're going to talk about the Miami heat. Oh boy. This was, I feel I'm like legitimately embarrassed because so we did this last year on our radio show. We did the same over under thing and I took the under on the Miami heat, which was set at, you know, I don't know, 36 games, 38 games, something like that last, last year, last season. Yeah. It was one of the rare occasions where you were very strong on one side and I was very strong on the opposite side. You know, that usually doesn't happen to us, but it it did last year on the heat. Yeah. And I, obviously I could not have been more wrong. We all saw the heat go to the finals and, um, (laughs) I mean, so all the reasons I had them going, you know, I basically had them go on 500. It's because I didn't think Jimmy Butler had enough of a supporting cast. I thought it would be like the Jimmy Butler show. Turns out Duncan Robinson is an absolute sniper. Bam out of bio just developed into an all NBA big man, like in a year. And Tyler Hero is actually good at the NBA level. And then Kendrick Nunn came out of nowhere and scored a lot. And Goran Dragic, you know, repeated to be Goran Dragic, which I didn't think he could do at 40 years old. So whoops. (laughs) <laughs> but all that all that being said, all of these guys are back. This team should only get better because they're gelling more. They lost some role players and added some role players, but I'm definitely going over, and I'll let Aaron go ahead and talk about those role players. Yeah, so they added Avery Bradley. They added Mo Harkless. They lost uh, Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. But, you know, we saw this team last year in the playoffs. I think it was a big step for them. They now have an identity they know exactly who they are. They got a lot of experience playing together in big games, which just correlates nicely to the regular season. Um, Tyler Hero was awesome last year. Ben was hating on him before the, you know, after the draft. He didn't really like but him. I, he didn't think I, he'd st- be I great. still don't like him, but I, I acknowledge that he's a good basketball player. Yeah, now all, uh, you know, here we are a year later. Tyler Hero's, you know, closing out games in the Easter Conference Finals, and Ben is now modeling his jump shot after him. Uh, sources have it. <laughs> It's true. I am doing that. <laughs> so, yeah, I really like this team. I mean, Hero and Robinson are absolute snipers. Ben talked about uh, Adebayo. He's going to take another step. He was absolutely amazing last year. He looked like Draymond Green out there with even more size. Um, Avery Bradley sat out the bubble. So the rest of the team might be a little bit tired, which will be, you know, it'll be even more important for Avery Bradley to come out and be able to defend the best guard on the opposing team. He'll have fresh legs. I, I love Spolstra so much. He's probably the best coach in the NBA if I had to, you know, pick just one. Um, 44 and a half seems low. I'm going to go over. I really like it. Um, I don't think the playoff run was a fluke. This team has an identity now. They're great on defense. They know what to do on offense. They know who their best players are. They know their go-to guys. Hopefully, Drogic is coming back healthy. But, yeah, I think it's a top three team in the East, and I will go over 44 and a half. Yeah, just one little thing before we move on to, I mean, Mo Harkless is an upgrade over over Jay Crowder as well. That's not nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, Avery Bradley and Harkless should gel right in, and we know Spolstra is really good at, you know, getting guys in the right role for them. Yeah, so we expect the, the Heat to be pretty good. The Milwaukee Bucks are probably going to be better, and we're going to go ahead and talk <laughs> about them. Uh, their total set at 51, which is the highest total on the board. They... 
did a lot this offseason. They went ahead and added DJ Augustine, Torrey Craig, Bryn Forbes, Drew Holiday, and Bobby Portis. In those transactions, they gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Kyle Korver, Brooke Lopez, and Wes Matthews. So the Bucks, as you knew them, I mean, it's definitely not the same team. I would say they they absolutely got better, though. Yeah, more significant transactions than what we saw from the Cavs, I would say. <laughs> A little more notable players there. What, you mean you're not excited when you hear Thon Maker and Isaac Okoro? No, not as much as, you know, adding Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis, the next great celebrity boxer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I mean, they. I think they overpaid for Drew Holiday. You know, the trade itself probably isn't great value, but the reason they did it was they're trying to win now and they're trying to keep Giannis. So anything that ends in the Giannis extension is a successful trade. But man, this team was a defensive juggernaut in the regular season last year. And they added Drew Holiday to that. So now they're going to be rolling out a lineup of, you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. I mean, not Lopez, but um, yeah, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. No, Brooke Lopez. Man, I'm very confused right now. <laughs> Brooke, Lopez is, Brooke Lopez is gone, but I think they added Robin Lopez. I think, yeah, I'll double check that. I think they have one of the Lopez's now. But either way, it's going to be a ridiculous defensive team with specifically Drew, Middleton, and Giannis. I think... This team is just built to dominate in the regular season. The playoffs is a completely different issue when you have time to game plan to play them, you know, seven times in a row and you can keep Giannis out of the paint. But we know Giannis is a man, uh, just an absolute unguardable maniac in the regular season. He's been one back-to-back MVPs for a reason. I really like the over 51. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a lock. It seems like 51. This team is built to dominate the regular season. Uh, I believe, I'm sorry, Robin Lopez is the one who's gone. Brooke Lopez is the one who stayed. I confused you because I said the wrong name. Yeah, I put Lopez on the sheet, and we both thought Brooke Lopez, but they had both Lopez's last year. So they lost Robin, they lost Robin, but Brooke is the same. So yeah, Brooke Lopez, still on the team, good shooter, good defender. Right. And I, man, I mean, this, uh, my, my initial reaction is just that this roster is so freaking good now. And they're also so long. I mean, they were long last year, like, like in terms of like literal wingspan, this is just a ridiculously long starting lineup. When you like drew holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez are going to be stealing and blocking shots. Like it's nobody's business. That is, that is actually unbelievable defensively as well as offensively. And, I just I can't see this team going under at all. This is my favorite over on the board. They absolutely dominated the regular season the last two years, and they're going to do it again. Um, you know, they don't even need to play Giannis thirty five or more minutes because the rest of the roster is is so good that they're just going to roll through the regular season. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's such a different monster playing this team in the regular season than the playoffs because you mentioned the wingspan. You know, you can adjust to the wingspan over the course of a seven-game series, you just get used to it. But if you're playing, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers one night and you play, you know, an easy game against them, but then next night you're rolling into Milwaukee to face this juggernaut of a team, it's just not even going to feel like you're playing the same sport. So I think they're just going to dominate. You know, there is potential to have a little bit of uh, struggle from the three-point line without Kyle Korver. But overall, you know, Chris Middleton's a good shooter. Brooke Lopez can bang in some threes, so... Yeah, we are in agreement here. We both absolutely love this over. Yeah, I mean, Bryn Forbes is is was a was a good player with the Spurs. I expect him to be a really good sort of you know bench 
a bench offense runner on, on this team as well. It's I, I don't see any real weaknesses here. DJ Augustine can also absolutely run the bench unit. There's just there's no there's gonna be no drop off at all. No, it's it's just gonna make the playoff exit even more devastating. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I love, I love some Giannis slander just because, um, you know, I, me and James Harden are having a little strained relationship right now, but I'll still ride for mine as long as he's on my team. But I, I'm always here for some Giannis slander. Uh, the meme of him launching the ball off James Harden's <laughs> face, but it was actually the MVP trophy, was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, Aaron. But I mean, yeah, I'm also not really a Giannis lover unless he, you know, goes to the Warriors, like all the rumors say. All right, and my 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 long neglected second team that for some reason I have a soft spot for is the New York Knicks, who we are going to talk about next. This could not be more of like a one eighty <laughs> going from the Bucks to the Knicks, but we are going to talk about the Knicks. Their total is the same as the Pistons. Or I'm sorry, same as the Cavaliers, twenty two and a half. Uh, they added a lot of a lot of dudes. I I don't know. I don't really want to call them dudes. They added Alec Burks, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Nerland's Noel and it, is that Isaiah Quickly? Uh, yeah, it's Quickly is the rookie from Kentucky. Um, they basically added a bunch of Kentucky players, but not any of the good ones that are in the league. <laughs> and then, of course, they got Austin Rivers from the Rockets, and then they drafted Obi Toppin, who I think is actually going to be pretty good. Um, then they lost Tosh Gibson, Mo Harkless, and Bobby Portis. So they did get rid of two of those power forwards. That's that's a step in the right direction. Props to the Knicks, and they only brought in Nerlens, uh, even though Michael Keith Grokis, you know, you could argue he's just a really short power forward because he's definitely not anything uh, with the word shooting in it. Man, the funniest thing to me was just um, we saw there was, you know, Shams or somebody tweeted out something about the NBA free agent market, and Aaron texted me saying something about how you know the Knicks are going to scoop up Kyle O'Quinn and four other power forwards and then like 10 minutes later they signed Nerlens Noel and I was just like yeah Nerlens was one of the guys I named in the text it was wild yeah <laughs> sometimes the the jokes write themselves yeah no we can always expect you know we can expect the unexpected from the Knicks except when it's signing a bunch of bad power forwards because then <laughs> we know that's going to happen but yeah I'm going to take the under 22 and a half um I'm not dropping any woge bombs by saying that if you look at this roster, it is not good. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. can be okay sometimes when he's healthy, which is not too often. The same thing can be said about Julius Randle. He has his moments here and there, but man, the guards on this team, um, I don't like them. Nitikina, not great. Um, Alfred Payton, not great. Dennis Smith Jr., okay every now and then. Um the close games are going to be brutal. They're not going to be in many of them, but when they are, they're probably going to be going to RJ Barrett, who still, I'm not going to give up on him yet, but he's, he's not quite there yet. He's still a little too young. Um, you know, I don't love going under 22 and a half because, you know, one little win streak and that could get the over, but you know, when, if I'm forced to make a decision, I'm just going to fade the Knicks here and go under, I will, I will blindly bet the Knicks under until they prove me wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, I agree. I, I totally agree with you that RJ Barrett still has, you know, the potential that he had when they drafted him. Um, he could certainly take a step forward, even if he does. The problem is there is just still no shooting on this entire roster. And in fact, they made it worse by signing Michael K. Gilchrist and Nerlens Noel. There is, <laughs> there's not a person who can drain a three besides like Austin Rivers. Damian Dodson was kind of that guy last year, but then they got rid of him as well. 
uh, Randall can shoot. It's I mean, there's just no floor spacing. It's just a bunch of you know athletic people who who can't shoot and don't really have much of an offensive game at all, besides relying on the athletic on the pure athleticism. So. I think Obi Toppin has a really good chance to end up as a rookie scoring leader because he's going to be like the second option on this team for, you know, parts of parts of games. He's just going to have a lot of volume, I think. But I, I definitely have the Knicks and the Pistons in sort of their own tier down there. So I'm going under and I wouldn't be surprised if they if it's like 15 wins, like if it doesn't even get close to the total. No, I mean, we've seen like truly terrible teams win like nine to 12 games and that's in the 82 game season. So we're talking about a 72 game season. If, if uh, you know, if stuff really goes wrong here, they could win like seven games, you know, just because teams are, it's going to be hard to lose to the Knicks basically. Like it's really going to have to be wild for you to go into Madison square garden and not come out with a win this year because the team is so terrible. There's, they have no way to put points on the scoreboard. And I just don't really know other ways to say that the Knicks are bad. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I think their, their defense will be good, which is, which is weird to say, but between, you know, Nitikina and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Nerlens Noel and some of these rookies can defend too. And Austin Rivers is a fine defender. And <laughs> like uh, I, the defense is going to be good. I have no clue who's going to put the ball in the basket though. If they have <laughs> the Nitikina, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Nerlens lineup that you just named, <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to run them all out at the same time. If they had those three guys on the court at the same time, I'm not sure Steph Curry and Michael Jordan could save that five-man lineup. Like <laughs> The floor spacing would be so terrible. I hope it does happen. So we I'm just saying they're all in separate <laughs> parts of the rotation. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope so. I hope so because that would be a sight to see. Speaking of electric teams, I guess that's probably all we got for the Knicks. There's only so much we can beat the dead horse here. I mean, like the Knicks are bad. We know it. Um, Speaking of electric teams, though, we got the Orlando Magic, who, you know, always shocked the world every offseason. This one was was no different. Aaron, (laughs) go ahead and run me through the transactions real quick. I want to be shocked. All right, Ben, uh, fasten your seatbelt here. They drafted Cole Anthony out of North Carolina. And they lost DJ Augustine. Wow, that changes nothing. No, it's it's yeah, the, the magic pretty they're dangerously irrelevant when it comes to NBA basketball. It's just let I me mean, just do something, man. Yeah, just do something one time. Like at least the Brewers, they are consistent with their signing of you know ridiculous bats that they don't need. But the magic, they just don't even do anything. Yeah, and then hoping that Josh Lindblom can throw 150 innings. Yeah, and outduel Walker Buehler in Game Seven. <laughs> yeah, just horrible. But yeah, no, I mean, so the team is the same as last year, and and the line reflects it. I mean, the they won 33 games last year. The line is at 32. So, I I mean, what what do you, what do you think about the Orlando Magic? Well, as as much you know, we just gave them a lot of crap for not doing anything for the past five years. But with that being said, that has led to one thing, Ben. These dudes know how to play together because they have had the exact same team for many a years now. So Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, those guys have, you know, played a lot of games together now. They are somewhat decent. You know, they make the playoffs. They usually squeak in as like the seven or eight seed. I think they could be in a similar spot to that this year. The 32 line feels a little low to me because Vucevic is pretty much an all-star. 
Fournier is fine. Aaron Gordon has his moments. Markel Fultz is one guy I really want to talk about here. Um, when I watched the Magic last year, one thing that stood out is Fultz isn't that terrible anymore. He had he had all the shoulder issues, a lot of the mental issues. He's he's definitely you know he is a bust because he was the number one overall pick, but he still he could be a role player for a couple of years in the NBA. He's not terrible. I kind of like him. Cole Anthony could be good. I am gonna go over. 32 with the magic here they, they know who they are they've played together for a long year i think they're just good enough to beat up on the bad teams yeah we're basically on the same page here um i i agree that i mean jonathan isaac is like you did you i mean we, we're not even talking about him jonathan isaac is good and has another year to develop now so uh, i mean so the thing is they won 33 games last year in the shortened covid season so they already went over this win total with less games. I mean, I don't see a way that this team got worse. They lost DJ Augustine, but that's, I mean, that's a replaceable piece for sure. And Cole Anthony might actually be able to replace it. So they just, they play slow. They have a really slow pace. They're good defensively. They're fun. They're, they're a sound team. They're just going to grind out 33 wins. I'm pretty sure of that. My, the one thing that I think might be able to throw a wrench into things is like if Evan Fournier gets moved at the deadline, which I could see happening, but there really isn't much point in them trying to tank in the East because they're they're too good. The rest of the East is too bad, and they're probably going to sneak into the playoffs no matter what they do. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, they'll be fighting for the 10 seed to get into the play-in tournament, so they will have stuff to play for. They're not bad enough to where they will be tanking, so yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know too much more um, to talk about the Magic. 72-game season, so, you know, 82-game season, 32 over would be a lock. But even in a 72-game season, I think they're basically a 500 team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I took the over last year, and I'm, I'm going to take the over again. I mean, it's they, the, the line is always the same, and the team is always the same. It's like, this is just like a weird basketball purgatory. Yeah, yeah, it makes you think Vegas probably knows exactly how many games they're going to win, but I'll take the over. Yeah. All right, well, now we've got the 76ers, who are definitely a little more fun. Um, a lot of offseason moves for them this year. They obviously got Daryl Morey from the Rockets, so he's gonna he's always going to be a guy to go in and shake things up. They traded for Seth Curry. They added Danny Green to White Howard. They drafted Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. They lost Alec Burks, um, Al Horford. They traded Josh Richardson, and they lost Glenn Robinson the third. Ben, the total here is 44.5, so... Up there with the with the Nets and the Celtics, what do you think about the 76ers this year and some of the uh, transactions they made this offseason? This is one that we disagree on, I believe. I'm going over. Um, all things considered, 44 and a half is not that many wins. I mean, I, I think this team, I think this team will finish better than the Celtics, for example, who I said would go under the same amount. So I'm I'm going to take the over. I think that I mean Josh Richardson is like way better than Danny Green. I think people are overlooking that one a little bit. So I like that's a pretty significant downgrade. But the adding adding all the shooting around Ben Simmons, I think is going to make this team just like considerably different. Um, I think the defense is going to suffer a little bit, but I think that Maury just knows how to get the most out of his guys. I think Doc Rivers is going to be a great coach here. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some deadline help brought in. I think James Harden is not out of the equation. I mean, if you wanted to include James Harden in your Nets formula, I'm going to include it in the 76ers formula. Um, for all of these reasons, I'm going to take the over. I will say I'd, I'd rather just stay away from this line. I don't feel particularly confident in it. But uh, for the sake of the pod, I'm going to take the over. 
Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say first. Um, I, I'm staying away from this one. The Sixers are always a good team to stay away from just because the injury stuff is always very important with Embiid. It's important to note that we saw early last year before all the COVID stuff, the 76ers were absolutely dominating at home and they were really struggling on the road. We, we don't really know how that's going to play out this year because they are going to technically be playing home games and road games, but a lot of those games will have very limited crowds or maybe no crowds at all. So how they're going to react to that? Will we see the same kind of home road splits as last year? It's kind of hard to tell. Um, I do like the fact that they lost Al Horford. He was just losing him in that contract is a net positive. Adding Seth Curry is a good move. Um, he's going to help the offense probably more than he will hurt the defense. Um, this team kind of put its hat on their defense last year in the regular season. So losing Josh Richardson will impact that quite a bit, but they still have potential to be a good defensive team with Tobias Harris and, and beating Simmons out there. And, and Thibel. Yeah, and Thibel, who will probably get more minutes and is definitely an elite defender. I'm going to go under for the sake of the pod because – they might not be as dominant at home. It's a short turnaround for Embiid. So I think anytime we get a shortened offseason, he's at more of an injury risk. I'm not super convinced that the defense is going to hold up. But it, I mean, I, it will, it, they'll hold up, but they might not be as dominant unless Thibault, you know, completely uh, gets a lot of minutes, which is possible. But I don't know. Something here is just telling me to lean under. I'm going to stay away from it, but for the sake of the pod, I'll go under. I don't really love Embiid in a short turnaround season with no home crowd. Yeah, 76ers are always tough to to predict. I believe we both went over last year, however, and I think that worked out for both, or it would have worked out for both of us had they played, you know, the full season. Yeah, I do wish they could have finished because I was really looking forward to tallying all those up, but hopefully this year they play the full 72 games so we can go back and look at this pod many, many days from now. <laughs> yeah and uh with that said we're gonna go ahead and go into the toronto raptors who i believe we also disagreed on last year i don't think we're gonna disagree on it this year though the the line is at 42 and a half um they don't actually technically have a home stadium right they're playing in they're tampa all... they're the tampa raptors <laughs> the tampa raptors man that <laughs> sounds weird uh they added aaron baines deandre bembry and alex len and then they lost uh marcus Saul, ronnie hollis jefferson and Serge Ibaka. Yeah, I think that's pretty significant there. I mean, that's kind of one of the main reasons I really like the under this year, under 42 and a half, is because of the offseason. Look, losing Marcus Soul and Serge Ibaka, that's a big deal. I mean, kind of the whole thing that the Raptors had going was they really knew how to play together, those five guys specifically with Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, Ibaka, and Gasol. They don't have that five-man lineup anymore. They paid Fred Van Vliet, which is fine. I really like Fred Van Vliet, but... Now they've got less money to spend on the other parts of the roster. Siakam came out of the gates pretty hot last year, then wasn't as good down the stretch, really wasn't that good in the bubble. I still kind of like him as a player, but I don't think he's this dominant all-star that some people make him out to be. I just I like the under this year. I think they're not as deep. They're, they're just not going to be as dominant. Kyle Lowry has been really good for them, but he is now entering his 14th NBA season. So I think this could finally be the year that the age starts to show for Lowry. It's a really quick turnaround for him and his body. You know, we know he plays really physical basketball. Um, teams no longer have to venture all the way to Canada to play them. They just get to go down to Tampa. So I think this is the year the Raptors finally take a step back, 
even though they have a really good coach in Nick Nurse, I'm going to go under 42 and a half. Yeah, there's there's just so many things going against them. They don't have a they don't have their true home stadium. Uh, I mean, even if fans are allowed in, how many Raptors fans are there in Tampa? Like that are even <laughs> that can go support them. Siakam looked really bad at the end of last year. Kyle Lowry is old. They lost. I mean, Serge Ibaka is like a huge deal. That is a really big deal. And Aaron Baines is not as good as Serge Ibaka at the things that you know Serge Ibaka did for this team, especially. So I'm, I agree. I'm going to go under, I, I, I know that I, if you, if you listen to our radio show last year, I didn't really believe last year and then Siakam emerged and I sort of looked dumb, but I'm going to double down on the non-belief. Um, and I'm going to give Aaron a little bit of credit because he recognized F- Fred Van Vliet as being elite before most. So, you know, that was, that was very sharp by you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, he's, he's just a, he's a gritty guy. He's very competitive out there. He knows his way around the court. He's a smart basketball player. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's solid, but I don't, why are you talking, why are you talking about him? Like he's a, like he's a white point guard, <laughs> like he's a slot receiver for the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> I could see him catching like 85 balls from Tom Brady. I could, I could also see that actually, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little down on the Raptors this year. If they prove me wrong, I will be surprised, but I won't be, you know, shocked. I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a real, whatever Vegas knows what they're doing. We're trying to beat Vegas here, which is always a, a, a difficult proposition. Hey, which we did this. We did do that this week though. in NFL bets, by the way, you know, Oh, oh yeah. The train. yeah, we did. Of course we did. Actually, I, I had a really good daily, daily fantasy day too, but we're going to get into that on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. So we've only got one team left here and it is the Washington wizards and they are a team without a total right now, which is lame. Um, they were at 33 and a half, but I'm sure that is no longer the total now that they have Russell Westbrook on the roster. So basically, I think we should just say how many wins we think they're going to get, and the people can react to that whenever they listen to the pod. Maybe by the time they listen to the pod, the total will be out. Um, They added uh, Denny. He's the rookie. He looked to be pretty interesting. I'm excited to watch him play. They added one of the Lopez's. Not going to go through that again. Um, Raul Neto. It's it's Robin. It's it's Robin for sure. They added Robin Lopez. Got it. <laughs> Stupid twins make me look like a dummy on my own podcast. Um, they lost John Wall for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, there's no total right now. I think this is like a 39 win team. Really fun to watch. We know Westbrook can be good in the regular season. We really like Bradley Beal. We wanted him to be free. He is not free, but hopefully he is healthy and ready to go. Um, Rui, their rookie, showed some good stuff last year. Thomas Bryant is a great regular season guy. He's kind of like a Montrezl Harrell with, you know, less hair. So I do <laughs> kind of like them as a team. I think they're going to slot into a 6 7 seed. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I think around 39, maybe pushing 40 wins for the Wizards. I think they'll be pretty good in the regular season before Westbrook, you know, brings them down in flames in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook and Scott Brooks reunited once again. Oh, I never man. thought I'd see the day. Oh, Kevin Durant <laughs> laying in the bed with the picture frame meme. He just he misses them so much. Uh, yeah, I, I I liked Rui enough as a scorer last year. He does absolutely nothing other than score the ball, which is a little bit of a problem. Um, Thomas Bryant is actually like a legitimately good big man in the same vein that like Bam Adebayo is. I think I think Thomas Bryant is a little like un- under underappreciated and has has something in the tank to probably take a step forward as well. Uh, but you're right. Bradley Beal is so far from free. That man has been locked in the Russell Westbrook <laughs> prison. 
so they're going to be weird to watch. I think, I think, I mean, I watched a a full season of Russell Westbrook last year, essentially. And it definitely looked like he lost a step. I don't know how much of it was Houston's offense, not letting him do the things he wanted to do and how much of it was just him being on the wrong side of 30 and being like, you know, an athletic guard without a, a, a jump shot. But he didn't look great last year. I don't expect him to look great this year. I do expect him to put up some a lot of empty stats the way that, you know, he's sort of accustomed to doing. But I also think Bradley Beal can carry the slack there. So I don't think they'll be as good as the Rockets were last year. I don't think they'll be super far off from that, though. I'll say maybe 37 wins for the Wizards. Yeah, I think that's fair. One guy we forgot to mention, uh, Davis Bertans. He got the bag this offseason. Uh, he got paid a lot of money, but he is an absolute sniper. I really like Bertans, man. He he does not miss. He's he's one of the best shooters in the entire NBA. Yeah, it's hard not to like Bertans. I I, I remember seeing the contract and being like, wait, really? And then I was I was I remembered, you know, this is not the Davis Bertans that was getting eight minutes a game in San Antonio. This man is playing thirty five minutes and absolutely drilling three pointers now. Yeah, I think the Wizards are going to be a lot like the Hawks in that. We are going to be breaking down some daily fantasy podcasts, and we are going to be recommending a lot of players on the Wizards or playing against the Wizards because I can already see myself playing a lot of lineups with uh, Russell Westbrook and Davis Bertans. And <laughs> I can see myself playing a lot of West, a lot of lineups with Russell Westbrook and Davis Bertans being picked on in a in a pick and roll. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Whenever the Wizards play the Hawks, I'm clearing the calendar that night, <laughs> and I'm just jamming showdown lineups. <laughs> That will be fun, but uh, yeah, man, we'll see what Westbrook does. I'm sure he'll be really focused on uh, making Rui a much better player. I'm sure that'll be his main priority, so Amachi Murray's got that going for him, at least. Yeah. Oh, man, Rui just had... Never mind. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go there, but the uh, we just talked about the Eastern Conference for like more than an hour, so if you didn't get all that, we're going to go ahead and recap our best bets real quick. Uh, I think we're going to do four bets each that we each feel particularly confident in, and I'll let Aaron go ahead and go first. Yeah, so we gave all our reasoning. If you want to hear the reasoning, you can scroll back and listen to the specific talks about these teams, but my favorite bets are going to be the Brooklyn Nets over, Chicago Bulls under, Milwaukee Bucks over, Toronto Raptors under those are my four favorite bets that we just talked about here and I completely agree with you on the Bucks over uh that's also going to be one of my favorites my other favorites though are different than yours I got the Pacers over the Pistons under again I I just think they're going to be the worst team in the league and the Heat over yeah so we're we pretty much agree with every single one of those um I really like those for us a lot of value there. Um, with that, let's each go through our standings. We're going to go one through 10. So the 10 uh, playoff teams, if you consider the nine and 10 teams official playoff teams, but I'll go ahead and start it off here. Um, I like the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in their usual slot as the one seed. I do like the Brooklyn Nets to be the two seed this year. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie, uh, they work better than people expect, even though there will be plenty of drama. Three-seed Miami Heat, followed by the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. The sixth seed, I've got the Pacers, followed by the Wizards. The Raptors at the eighth seed. And then the uh, Atlanta Hawks and the the Magic, barely squeaking in there, the 10th seed. Yeah, we we totally agree on the Bucks as the one seed, as we should, because 
I mean, it's. I don't think it's even going to be particularly close. However, I think the 76ers are going to be the, the two seed. I think it really works out, and the shooting helps that team out tremendously. I also agree that the Heat are going to be the third seed. I also agree that the Celtics are going to be the fourth seed. This is where it starts to get a little different. I got the Nets all the way down at five, where Aaron has them at two. I don't believe quite as much. I did say that they're going to go over, so I think that all of these in the top here are – actually, sorry, I got to switch the Nets and Celtics. Then Nets at the four seed, Celtics at the five seed. Um. And then I have the Pacers at the sixth seed. This is, I, I think they're all going to be pretty bunched up at the top here. I think all of these teams are going to be sort of 43 wins and up. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be a clear six team sort of difference. And then I, there's a cliff. There is a cliff between the Pacers and my seven seed, which is going to be the Hawks. Then I got the Raptors, the Wizards, and the Magic. So, uh, you know, we have sort of all the same teams in here in, in different formats, but uh, I think we disagree the most on the Nets and. I get, you know, the, maybe the Hawks and the 76ers. Yeah, I'm a little bit higher on the Wizards than you are. I'm definitely higher on the Nets. But yeah, we've got basically the same idea there. Um, ben, one other thing that we like to do each year, we like to talk about some of the, the most fun teams to watch. So are we calling this our league pass rankings or maybe there are there are Bila sport rankings? What are we going with here? <laughs> oh, I would never promote such a such an illegal activity as to <laughs> as to stream sports on on Bila sport. Um I guess they're league pass rankings. It's just, this is just going to be the most fun team to watch in the Eastern Conference. I, I only have two picks, honestly. I don't think the Eastern Conference is going to be... I, I always like watching the Celtics, but that's just me. Um, just cause Quality I, I court. Enjoy. Quality court. Yeah, good good court. I mean, I like watching Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart plays hard. It's just sort of fun. But my, my two real picks for the league pass are going to be the Hawks easily. I think the Hawks are going to be the, the most fun team. They're going to score it on a lot. They're going to score a lot. Every player on that team is fun to watch and athletic. And then I've got the Pacers just because they play so efficiently and, and it's sort of a brand of basketball that uh, that I find pleasing to watch. Yeah, uh, I I definitely agree with the Hawks. I'm not as intrigued by the Pacers as you are. I just think they're kind of solid in kind of a boring way. So, uh, yeah, I definitely like the Hawks. I also – I'm very intrigued by the Wizards, man. I mean, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Davis Bertans. I am, I am intrigued. I really like watching all three of those guys play basketball. And then I think I will end up watching quite a few Brooklyn Nets games just because they're new. Uh, it's We got Katie coming back from injury. There's going to be a lot of drama. Steve Nash on the sideline is going to be cool. So, yeah, I've got the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Nets as my three you know, teams in the Eastern Conference that are the most fun to watch. And uh, I also really like the Heat just because I do like Tyler Hero. I like Bam. So the Heat are fun to watch too. What are the odds that, that Davis Batons just sort of withers away in the corner calling for the ball like until he turns into a skeleton on the court? Yeah, I mean Be- – because neither Russell Westbrook nor Bradley Beal is gonna make the skip pass over there. Man, he's so he was really good, like coming off of screens and stuff last year. So I really hope they keep the same kind of offense. But when you bring in Russell Westbrook, the offense uh, might be changing a little. So there is definitely a chance that Bertaz is just standing there and he he looks just frozen with his hands out, and Westbrook is just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling the ball. Yeah, I, I I mean, I agree. The Wizards probably will be fun to watch. Actually, honestly, like Thomas Bryant is one of my favorite high energy guys in the league. He uh he does a lot of things down low that are that are fun to watch. But yeah, another good DFS guy, Thomas Bryant. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, and honestly, I can't wait to play uh DFS basketball. I sorted. I I took most of the year off last year. I played it a whole ton um the year before that. 
but uh, I'm definitely excited to get back into it this year. So with that all being said, that's that's our NBA Eastern Conference preview. We're going to be back next week to do the Western Conference. Um, feel free to sort of tail some of the picks that we feel most strongly about. Uh, I'm certainly going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hope that these are going to make us something and, and hopefully make our listeners something. So uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to, to leave a review. If you uh, are listening on Spotify, feel free to come follow us on Twitter and interact with us at Cash Landing Pod. And unless you got anything else, Aaron, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. No, I'm good. If you like this podcast, we'll be back with a, with a similar podcast next week talking about teams that are, that are better than these teams. <laughs> that are, all the teams that are better than these. Yeah, That's pretty good. Exactly. All right. We'll see you next time.